What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Marty Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Today, we're going over the standouts, dropouts, the risers, the fallers, the guys who performed well last night against the Patriots, and the guys who, maybe through no fault of their own, are beginning to get a little passed up, it appears, in the depth chart and the roster, and maybe even their spot on the overall 53-man roster. A couple guys that we thought maybe were completely safe are now seeming to enter a conversation as to whether they'll actually make it or not as time is beginning to dwindle down in camp. Hey, before we get started today with the real topic, I got just a couple of announcements for you. One, of course, the game, as we all know, did end early. I was there last night. It ended like 10 minutes, 39 seconds to go or so because of an injury that occurred to Isaiah Bolden, cornerback for the New England Patriots. And basically, I don't know the full extent of the injury. I'm not sure anyone really does. We know that he is heading home today with the team to Foxborough. Um, We know that both sides appeared to be quite concerned about what was going on, but he did supposedly regain some movement in his extremities last night. And from what I understand... It was Patriots coach Bill Belichick who went over to Matt LaFleur and said, hey, meaningless game. Neither one of us wants to lose any more guys. Let's just call it. And LaFleur said, uh-huh. Yeah, we don't want to go back out there either. And then the refs agreed, and so it was just done. Okay, And ultimately, it kind of felt like the right decision. It's tough for any player after a thing like that, like even in a typical regular season game. Because if this were a regular season game, I don't think they're calling off play. But it's a preseason game where the result doesn't actually matter. And the only thing that both teams are missing out on is the final 10 minutes of play to really see some of the bottom of the roster guys get to show their stuff. But, you know, those bottom of the roster guys, hopefully they're getting their chance in practice. That's the real loss here for for evaluating the roster. So uh, hopefully those guys just get more of a chance to play. Hopefully Isaiah Bolden is okay. Uh, Hopefully everything resolves as well as we could possibly hope. Now, on a scheduling note, as I've been saying, I'm out of here after today, heading on my once-a-year family vacation. We're going to a cabin up in the North Woods. So, basically, I'm very hopeful to still put out two or three videos this week. Like, that's my plan, but I am going into a cabin. I've never been there before, and I don't know what the internet's like. So... We'll see. If I just happen to disappear, don't send a search party. I'm sure I'm fine. It's just the internet's not allowing me to upload. So maybe we'll do a Q&A later this week if I can get, like, if I know the internet's good. Uh, my plan for sure is tomorrow to put out a 53-man roster prediction with some tweaks based upon this game. So uh, we'll just see how it goes. If I disappear, I'm sorry. We can uh, blame the infrastructure for that occurring. And then last thing. This is really kind of neat, more of a personal note, but I was walking around Lambo last night as I was at the game, and for one of the first times over the course of the almost year that I've been doing this podcast, we're almost at a year. For the very first time, or not very first time, one of the first times, someone actually stopped me, fist bumped me, said, hey, uh, thanks for doing the pod uh, that they watch every day, and I just gotta say, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to talk. I was on a mission to find someone we were meeting up with, um, but so awesome thank you so much for stopping me it really like it kind of made my night to be recognized as we're continuing to grow out there so let's talk players let's talk the results of the game last night now i'm obviously not concerned about wins and losses it's preseason like who cares anyway plus the game stopped 10 minutes early so really really who cares 
right? But we still have some players that were able to perform above expectation, maybe, or finally meeting expectations, that they've enhanced their standing on the roster. Number one would be Anders Carlson, the kicker that everyone wants to bring in competition for and everything, right? Well, he went out there last night, wound up being three for three on his kicks. That's two extra points, as well as a 52-yard field goal that he hit real well. This was not a mishit, as he had a couple earlier this week. And that's been the thing with Carlson. We saw him perform very well in the Cincinnati game for the most part. Uh, you know, it's always been seemingly like the first kick of the day is wide right, but they believe that they know the issue. And here's my overall thought with this. I know a lot of people want to bring in competition for Carlson, but I don't think that that's necessarily going to help here. I'm all for competition. I know Matt LaFleur is all for competition, but in this particular circumstance, I don't think that that's the right call. And the reason is because they've identified, or they believe, that they've identified the issue of what's going on with Carlson. And he needs reps in order to correct said issue. At any given training camp practice, there's something like five to eight live kicks. And Carlson needs all of those to continue to work the problem. And if you bring in competition, suddenly you're going to cut that number in half. Now, bringing someone just in for a workout and not signing them, that's one thing. But if you actually add a kicker to the 90-man roster at this point, you're going to split the amount of work that Carlson is actually getting, not to mention in the final preseason game next week against Seattle, that he'd be cutting his kicks in half there as well. Okay, so I think that this is just a problem that they've identified that needs to be repped, that needs to be worked on. Not an issue of bringing in someone to fire him up, to, to motivate him. No, it's a technical problem that needs repetition to get corrected so he can achieve the consistency that we all want. Keep in mind, when Mason Crosby was a rookie coming out of Colorado, he also had his fair share of accuracy issues. And the Packers, when they choose a kicker, when they spend draft capital on a kicker, they're not picking him for week one. They're not picking him for this year. They're picking him for the next 15 years. They seem to operate kicker just like they do quarterback, which means we're not just picking him for right now. We're picking him for the next generation. And they believe Anders Carlson is that guy, and they're going to stick with him, at least for now. Moving on to the next guy who really helped his case, that would be interior defensive lineman Carl Brooks. Now, Carl Brooks is a is a 300-pound man, but, you know, at times he looks small for 300 pounds. And he's incredibly disruptive, don't get me wrong. And last night, he actually showed it. Keep in mind, during his collegiate career, he was the top, top at Bowling Green University across the entire country. He was the top-rated run defender for both edge and interior defensive linemen with a grade of 90.3. He is very, very good against the run. And it's something that the Packers need, and this highlight shows that he, he can do it at the pro level, too. Matt LaFleur mentioned how Brooks is going to be relied upon for a heavy amount of playing time this year, even as a sixth-round pick, and we see why the Packers seemingly got a steal here. Speaking of steals, let's go to Kingsley and Agbare, who had a game last night. and only eight pass rush snaps, according to PFF, he wound up with two sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Now, he did have a great week in practice. Even Matt LaFleur went to him before the game and said, hey, you're going to get a couple sacks tonight. Because something was just different about Enigbari this week, both in joint practices and the game. And 
You know, the thing is, I think maybe Anagbare was sick of being the forgotten man. Because opposite Preston Smith, the ones have almost always been first round pick LVN or Justin Hollins. It's been rare that Enigbare has been the guy that's gotten to start opposite Preston Smith with the ones in Rashawn Gary's absence. And maybe Enigbare's starting to feel that a little bit, saying, uh, I as a rookie last year had three sacks, came out of nowhere, played quite well. Why am I being forgotten about? Why are you playing Hollins? Why are you playing LVN, the bullet of China shop? I deserve some of these one snaps. And uh, he may get more following last night. Let's look at the running back position and Emmanuel Wilson. 15 carries for 63 yards. In addition, two receptions for 15 yards. And he you can tell when he runs, he runs hard. And he's got more speed than you think he does while running the ball too. He's a quality running back. There's no doubt about it. And this, that's the positive, right? Like, he is continuing his campaign to be running back three. He's capitalizing on every opportunity that he gets while Lou Nichols and Tyler Goodson are out. And that's that's the good. And I'm not meaning to turn this into a dampener, but last night, keep in mind, Matt LaFleur at his press conference when asked about Wilson said that he's a great runner, but he also said that as a rookie, like most rookies, he needs to work on pass pro. This is not surprising. However, it does not bode well for Emmanuel Wilson's chances to be the running back three on the 53-man roster. Are they going to attempt to keep him on the practice squad? Absolutely. But I think to be running back three, he's going to have to show some improvement in those supplemental categories that Gutekunst and MLF have talked about repeatedly of special teams and pass pro. Because as a running back, he's got that box checked. And we're seeing it game in, game out. Also worth noting, while we're on the topic that Patrick Taylor has nearly more starting special teams reps thus far in the preseason than almost anybody else, they trust Patrick Taylor. And he did have a rushing touchdown last night, too. So keep that in mind when I come out with the 53-man roster prediction, and just these are all things to bear in mind at this point. But Emmanuel Wilson, heck of a running back, another standout performance. He's going to need another one. And he's going to have to show some improvement in those supplemental categories, let's call them. Now, continuing on the up list, let's take a look at wide receiver Malik Heath. Five targets, five catches, 75 yards receiving. The man just catches everything. And he is maybe in the top two of blocking wide receivers at this point on the roster. Maybe matching only with like Christian Watson. I mean, he's a big-bodied dude who uses his big body. And it's time, like, it's really getting to be there that we're not just talking about Malik Heath making the 53. It's how high on the depth chart is Malik Heath. He played incredibly well last night. A bunch of those catches were contested. Like, he is a complete wide receiver who, by the way, reminder, outproduced second-round pick Jonathan Mingo at Ole Miss. But... As the complaints have been with Malik Heath, at times at Ole Miss, it seemed that he checked out. That he doesn't have the athletic traits of Mingo. He didn't have some kind of nine-point-something-something RAS score. But we're seeing the productivity evolving from Malik Heath. Speaking of wide receiver, let's take a look at Grant DuBose. Playing in his first preseason game last night, he was targeted four times with two catches, 27 yards. Did he do anything incredible? No. Not incredible. But hey, that's, that's a worthwhile debut. And he's 
after a few good practices this week and now a quality game, if he can keep that going, he's going to enter the conversation for wide receiver six, especially with Bo Melton out with his hamstring. Now, offensive line, let's take a look at Rashid Walker. Yeah, getting the start last night at the left tackle position ahead of Yash Nyman. Now, David Bakhtiari didn't play, otherwise he would have been the one at left tackle, of course. But Yash Nyman, all camp long, has been the predominant swing tackle. Maybe not anymore, because they wanted to see Rasheed Walker after another very strong week of practice following his great game against Cincinnati last week. They wanted to see him against the New England Ones because New England was trotting out all of their defensive starters. And they wanted to see how Rasheed Walker would respond against the starters of one of the best defenses in the league. New England last year was third in defensive DVOA. They're a very, very, very good defense. And Rasheed Walker got the opportunity to play against them, and he did quite well. Has he officially surpassed Yash Nyman as the swing tackle of choice? It's possible, and something we didn't see coming. And let's also talk about Zach Tom, his counterpart on the right tackle side. Playing this clip again, you can see, just focus in on Zach Tom at right tackle. I know the struggles with Josh Myers. We're going to be talking about him in a minute, but um, Tom looks like a tackle. Leave him there, please. Now, let's talk about the guys who didn't exactly help their case last night. And some of these guys are still locks for the 53. Some of these guys are, you know, still still well-respected members of the Green Bay Packers. But the truth is, last night was not exactly their best game. And they may have fallen in the depth chart. They may have fallen in just overall standing on the roster, given this performance. And let's go, number one, he's still the jewel of everyone's eye, still part of the future at the cornerback position. But Carrington Valentine, the seventh-round pick out of Kentucky, did not have his best game last night. And we really, for the first time, because last week against Cincinnati was was the glowing game. Like, that was his arrival. Everyone, he's had a great camp. Can he do it in a game? And then, whoa, he did it in a game. And then, last night, we saw the downside to Valentine's game. Now, it wasn't all bad. He still had a number of good coverage snaps. But, he also was called for two penalties. And he is a very handsy defensive back. He's very aggressive. And we see, because he also was out of position on a couple receptions... We see what that aggression can lead to. It leads to out-of-position plays and penalties. And if he wants to become a starter in the defense or force a move for more personnel or whatever else, that's what he needs to clean up. That's what he needs to learn. And it's certainly not out of bounds for a rookie to need to learn that. He still is special well beyond his draft grade. Still is a very, very quality prospect based upon what we've seen so far, which is far and away above expectations when he was picked in the seventh round. But we now see what he needs to clean up. Speaking of cleaning up, um, Josh Myers, center. Whoa. What happened? What happened to you, Josh? Very similarly to Royce Newman. I've been talking about him a bunch lately. Royce Newman has seemingly gotten worse every year. Well, Josh Myers, you know, he was a rookie. He played in something like six games. Looked very promising for a rookie. And then last year, he wound up being top 10 for centers in pass blocking, according to PFF. And then wasn't great against the run, but overall you grade him out to be an average center. And I don't remember all these problems with, like, botched snaps or snapping when he's not supposed to. And then last night it happened again! Another botched snap for Josh Myers. 
Now, Matt LaFleur said in his post-game press conference last night that the centers are trained that when a defensive player enters the neutral zone, snap the ball, get a free play. And Myers saw a defensive lineman flinch and thought that he went to the neutral zone, so he snapped it even though Love wasn't ready. One problem. The defensive lineman didn't enter the neutral zone. So it was just a bad play. Another one for Josh Myers. It's concerning. Now, I am still an advocate for leaving Zach Tom at tackle, but I also understand the practicality of the Packers realistically have like six NFL-worthy playable tackles on their roster, which probably makes them the deepest tackle room in the NFL. And then their interior depth is uh, not great. Their starting center has performed under expectations to this point. And uh, their top backup on the interior is a player who's regressed for three straight years. And uh, probably their second best player on the interior, or second graded backup anyway, would be uh, Jake Hansen. Uh-huh. That's a problem, right? Especially considering Hansen left the game last night with an injury. So, oh boy. Now, if they happen to move Tom to center and he wins the job and then they start Rasheed Walker or Yash or whatever at right tackle, okay, I get it. But my hesitancy is Tom looks like a real good tackle. And tackles are harder to find than interior linemen. But there's certainly a deficiency right now at interior line. Ah, it's a mess. They need to play with it more. Myers just needs to get his game together. Because I don't fully understand why this regression in terms of snapping is occurring. Especially considering that coming out collegiately, he was considered the top center in the draft. Ahead of Creed Humphrey at the time. For doing shotgun snaps. Where's that? Next up would be, just in general, injuries. Of course, Isaiah Bolden for the Patriots. But on the Packers' side, we had four guys leave the game last night with injuries. One of them, Tarverius Moore, who's in contention for a starting safety spot right now. He left the game with a knee injury. Jake Hansen, who I mentioned earlier, left the game with a shin injury. Pearson, the fullback, left the game with a knee injury. And Dontavian Wicks, rookie wide receiver out of Virginia, he left the game with a hamstring injury, which, ah, hamstrings and wide receivers... They go together like butter and bread, but it's generally not exactly a quick fix. So that's certainly less than ideal at this point in camp. So, the Packers are a banged-up team. Keep in mind who they lost last week. It was Tyler Davis out for the year. Luke Tanuta, they haven't announced anything, but probably out for the year. We know at the very least it's going to be a long time. And then the list of injuries this week was just a mile long. Valentine set out of practice. Bo Melton set out of practice. Devondre Campbell has an ankle injury right now. It's, it's a long injury list right now. And they just lost four more. Now, we don't know at this point the severity of any of these injuries. And we're obviously hoping for the best. But still, to lose see four guys, to lose four guys in a preseason game that doesn't count, less than ideal. And that brings us to the next guy on the list, Shamar John Charles. Now, last night he did have a big missed tackle, and ultimately at the end of the day, I'm just not really seeing his path onto the roster. Because this whole category of guys that I'm going to go through next is guys that maybe didn't do anything heinously wrong, but guys that maybe aren't developing as expected, guys that maybe other players are developing quicker than they've been, 
and Samarjean Charles seems to fit into that category. I'm just not seeing a path onto the roster for him anymore, considering that now that there is Carrington Valentine, considering that there's Corey Valentine, that there's there's other guys that seem to be above Shamarjean Charles and missing large tackles in a game, not the way to improve your standing. Yash is another one. Yash Diamond seemingly surpassed last night by Rashid Walker. Now, we don't know if he was truly passed on the depth chart. It's possible because Matt LaFleur said that they just wanted to see Rashid Walker against starting defenders. They've seen Yash against starting defenders before. So maybe this wasn't so much of a depth chart move as it was just an experiment to see how Walker would respond. But Walker responded really well, and Yash had a really rough week of practice. He did not do well against the speed rushers of the New England Patriots. That much was clear. A lot of the times when Jordan Love struggled in passing sessions in team reps in the joint practices was because Yash got beat on the left side. That's not great. And it's possible Rashid Walker has just outright surpassed Yash Nyman at this point, and that's less than ideal for Yash. Then two guys. Two guys that I think are still going to make the roster unequivocally. And you may call me out for bias for one of them, but mm -mm, I'm not the only one saying it now. Samari Toure. Toure was both the kick and punt returner last night. He got basically every return in the game. And he did do well with those returns. But here's the thing. Every other wide receiver to this point has shown some kind of exceptional trait. Or something that the Packers know they can actively build upon... And I'm just not sure Toure has shown that. Now, maybe not Dubose, but here's the thing, okay? At the wide receiver position, you've got Christian Watson, your superstar. You got Romeo Dobbs, your new third-round maven, the guy who's going to catch everything. You got Jaden Reed, who you know you're not going to keep off the field for long with how he's been producing in the preseason. Then you got Wicks, your rookie, who has looked silky smooth as well as a competent blocker. Then you got... Malik Heath, who's catching everything under the sun and blocking exceptionally well. Then you got Bo Melton and his 4-3 speed, who's done very good work on special teams and earlier in camp was catching everything and has return experience himself. And then you've got DuBose, Crest, etc. You're kind of into that category then. I don't know. I Look, I have... Per the suggestion of people who watch this show, gone back and watched Smarty Toure in college. You know, and, and I see what was being referenced, but I haven't seen that in the NFL. Is he a smooth route runner? Sure. Is he the best route runner on the team? No. So what is it that Toure does exceptionally well? And I, he's still going to make the roster. I don't doubt that at all. But... We know that he's not going to be the primary slot receiver. That's Jaden Reed. We also know at this point that Malik Heath may be passing Toure by just because Heath's been more productive. And they gave Toure plenty of chances last night. But I just have yet to see, you know, one of those plays that makes you go, oh, oh, that's why we like him. And then the next one, Josiah DeGuara. Now, he's still going to make the roster, in my opinion. I know others are saying, like, his 53-man spot's in jeopardy. Nah. 
No, nah, I mean, he had a calf injury for most of camp. He's still going to be their starting fullback. And plus, at the tight end position, he's the only one with NFL experience. Sure, Austin Allen is entering his second year on a practice squad, but like, come on. Josiah DeGuar is the only one with actual NFL experience, not to mention Matt LaFleur loves him. He's been mentioned as a leader in the tight end room by Brian Gutekunst. He's not going anywhere. But I also highly, I, I understand that he has not been necessarily productive to this point, as has been the hope. Who's your receiving tight end? To this point, it's Luke Musgrave, and it ain't close. And Kraft is coming along nicely. And DeGuaro's your fullback. Slash kind of sort of tight end. I think his spot on the roster is safe. But he hasn't exactly done anything inspiring with the play that we've seen to this point. There you have it. The ups, the downs. What ultimately will go down as a suspended short game was still very, very eventful for the Packers. Still very, very productive in terms of talent evaluation. And by the way, I didn't put him in the up category because like he's quarterback one, but like after a rough opening drive, Jordan Love looked good. And some national people noticed if you'll uh, note some of the tweets that are out there about Jordan Love. Man's got potential. I think the Packers might have found another one. So, all right. Like I said, everybody, I'm going to try my best to get some stuff out this week. I just don't know the internet status. So, uh, at the very least, I'm confident I'll be able to send X's posts in the YouTube community, etc. Follow me somewhere, and you'll get a heads up as to whether I'm going to be able to put out stuff or not. Otherwise, I hope all of you have a absolutely fantastic week. If you live in the Green Bay area, I hope you get to one of these final days of training camp. Uh, go check out, by the way, I just did that live show with Wisco Fanatics on YouTube. Go check that out. I'm in the process of figuring out how to rip that and get it into the podcast as well, the audio only podcast. So Spotify listeners can check that out as well. But if you haven't yet, go check that out on YouTube for at least for now. Um, really cool show. Loved working with those guys. We're going to do some more stuff into the future. Uh, two very knowledgeable guys, two guys with a very positive outlook on the Green Bay Packers. Lots of fun. Um, so go check out that conversation if you haven't yet. So thanks so much for joining me on Lombardi Time Brews, as always. It's been a great, great week. Looking forward to a week of vacation for me now, and I hope you have a great one. And as always, Go Pack Go! Oh,